The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Many sensitive people spend our entire lives being told there's something wrong with us, that we need to change, to be less sensitive. But trying to be less sensitive never works. Your sensitivity is largely in your genes, and when you try to stifle it, the only thing that happens is you become cut off from your gifts. Happy Friday, everyone. This is the Next Big Idea Daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kovnett. Now, I'm someone who thrives on a little bit of chaos. I spend a lot of my time in New York City, for one thing, and I'm drawn to music and movies that are a little loud and intense. A certain level of ambient craziness just makes me feel strangely comfortable. But I realize not everyone is like me, probably most people aren't like me, and a lot of people I know can probably be described as highly sensitive. If you didn't know, psychologists have recently started using the term highly sensitive person to describe those who respond to stimuli like noise and chaos differently than I do, differently than the majority do. If you or someone you care about fits this description, have a listen to these big ideas from Sensitive, The Hidden Power of the Highly Sensitive Person in a Loud, Fast, Too Much World by Jen Groneman and Andre Solo. Jen and Andre are co-founders of the online communities Sensitive Refuge and Introvert Deer. Here's Andre to share a few of their key insights. Hi, I'm Andre Solo, author of Sensitive, co-authored with Jen Graneman. Our book is about what it really means to be sensitive, why we hide it, and how this overlooked trait is actually one of our greatest human strengths. It is a trait linked to giftedness, and it's something we need more of, not only to make the world a nicer place, but to allow us to innovate, overcome global challenges like climate change, and thrive as a species. I'm a sensitive person myself, although for most of my life I didn't understand that or admit it, which left me feeling like a perennial misfit. If you're a sensitive person, you've probably also felt the need to hide it. And if you don't think of yourself as particularly sensitive, you might be surprised. And you too can access the gifts of sensitivity if you start to embrace it. Sensitive doesn't mean what we think it means. When we hear the word sensitive, we tend to think of being weak or fragile, or maybe someone who overreacts to things. But that's not what sensitive means. As a personality trait, being sensitive means you take in more information from the world around you, and you do more with it. Sensitive people are actually wired at a brain level to process information more deeply than others do. That means they tend to notice things others miss, and they make connections between ideas that other people might overlook. What's cool about this sort of deep information processing is that there are so many different kinds of information out there. To the brain, information can be sensory, so sensitive people tend to notice the scratchy texture of a fabric or the subtle notes of apricot in a fine white wine. But information can also be emotional, which is often the most important information we have. And if you're sensitive, you might be the only one who spots that slight hint of a smile that flashes across someone's face before they hide it. That's why sensitive people tend to have such high levels of empathy. They can't help but notice what others are feeling. It turns out these two kinds of sensitivity, the physical and the emotional, are actually two sides of the same trait. 
They're so closely linked that if you take a Tylenol to dull your physical pain, you'll actually score lower on an empathy test until it wears off. Of course, we're all sensitive to some degree, but some people are more sensitive than others. Like most human traits, sensitivity is a continuum, and you can be anywhere from low to average to high. Roughly 30% of people score high for sensitivity. And those numbers are the same for both men and women and people of all genders. When you understand it that way, being sensitive is a powerful trait that comes with a lot of gifts. For example, sensitive people tend to be very creative, but that doesn't just make them good artists. It means they're great innovators and problem solvers, which is why a lot of the most celebrated names in history are sensitive people. In fact, without sensitive people, we wouldn't have the theory of evolution, germ theory, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the theme music from Star Wars, the Declaration of Independence, or the first NFT. The great thing about this insight is it means our sensitivity isn't a weakness at all. It's a fundamental part of what makes us human. And it's something you can recognize in yourself and take pride in. Just as sensitive doesn't mean what we think it means, sensitive people don't always look the way we expect them to look. You might picture someone who's sensitive as being very warm and fuzzy and openly gushing emotion, and yeah, a lot of sensitive people do fit that image. But a lot of other people mask their sensitive traits, sometimes without knowing it, because there's a stigma around being sensitive. That stigma comes out differently for men and women. Men are told not to be sensitive at all. Women are told to stop being so sensitive, a phrase which we should retire. But we all get the same message, either quit being sensitive or hide it. I fell into this trap myself for a big chunk of my life. I never thought of myself as sensitive, and I certainly didn't think of myself as having super high levels of empathy, not more than anyone else. What I did know is I'm good at reading people. I get a gut feeling about what they're really thinking. And that's actually empathy by a different name. It's just a more socially acceptable way to say it. We also know that even though men and women are equally likely to be sensitive, they tend to check different boxes on a sensitivity test. For example, women may be more likely to check the boxes about having strong emotions, because that's more acceptable for women. Men may have equally strong emotions, but they relate a lot more to the physical side of sensitivity. And that makes sense. One of the greatest strengths of sensitive people is what we call sensory intelligence, or being highly aware of your environment. Well, the military calls that situational awareness, and it's something that keeps people alive in combat, because it's how you notice that slight rustling in the brush that might mean there's an ambush. Of course, the trait that all sensitive people share is the most invisible one of all, the ability to go deep. You can see that in Frances Perkins, a labor activist who spent years of her life working with the poor. But Frances Perkins didn't just have a strong sense of compassion. She was also a visionary, and she could see a different way of doing things. When President Franklin Delano Roosevelt invited her to be his Secretary of Labor at the height of the Great Depression, Perkins didn't accept right away. She told him she would only take the job if he promised to back all of her policies. He agreed, and Frances Perkins went on to write the New Deal. Her work established a social safety net for the first time in U.S. history, and it's credited as one factor that helped end the Great Depression. If you tend to be a deep thinker, if you spend extra time ruminating on things, or if you've ever been accused of being an overthinker, you might be more sensitive than you realize. Don't dismiss that overthinking or those nagging hunches. Act on them. Because, like Frances Perkins, 
you are seeing things that others don't. There's a reason 30% of people are highly sensitive. It's because the groups of cavemen who didn't have enough sensitive people died off. Actually, it goes back even further, because other primates also have sensitivity, as do more than a hundred other species we know of. Sensitivity appears to be an evolutionary advantage that keeps paying off. Why? One reason is what we call the sensitive boost effect. The boost effect means that when you give a sensitive person some kind of support, the kind of thing that would help anyone a little bit, they don't just benefit a little bit, they take off like a rocket. For example, in children, a supportive home environment means that any kid will get better grades, but it often puts sensitive kids at the very top of their class. Or in teenagers with depression, researchers found that a therapy program did help overall, but it was the sensitive teens who used it to actually overcome their depression and stay depression-free long-term. And in adults, researchers took hundreds of couples at risk for divorce and put them in a program to teach relationship skills. The program was successful in reducing divorce rates, but not for everyone. When the subjects were given a personality test, it turned out that it was mostly the sensitive people who went on to save their marriages. Not only that, they actually improved their relationship quality overall, which most of the other couples did not. That's the sensitive boost effect. What's great is you can take the boost effect and apply it to anything in your life. That might mean finding a mentor, getting a coach, taking a class, joining a mastermind group, or being very careful in who you choose to spend your time with and cultivating a group of friends who support you and believe in you. You will get 10 times the return on any of these things. Because if you're sensitive, you're walking around with a rocket engine strapped to your back. And all you have to do to light it is curate that supportive environment. The cost of being sensitive is overstimulation. Sensitive people get overstimulated easily in situations that are rushed, crowded, or too loud or too bright, or just emotionally intense. This is the price we pay for having a mind that's built to go deep on everything. There's no off switch, and when the stimuli pile up, the sensitive brain overloads. You may have seen something like this if you've ever had too many programs open on your computer. It starts to lag or freeze up, and you might even have to restart it. For humans, cognitive overload or overstimulation means brain fog, fatigue, anxiety, and even physical symptoms. And there is no easy restart button. The only solution is to take time in a calm environment and let the brain process. This overstimulation is part of the reason sensitive people are often mistaken for introverts. In reality, many are extroverts, but they may not do the same activities other extroverts do. For example, a sensitive extrovert probably won't do well at a huge networking event with 200 people in the room because it's overstimulating. Instead, they might fill their social calendar by meeting just one or two friends for deeper conversation in a quiet restaurant rather than a noisy bar. Overstimulation is also part of why sensitive people are sometimes seen as being easily overwhelmed or thin-skinned. In reality, it's not their skin that needs to change. It's their environment. Sensitive people need a calm, quiet environment to be at their best. And when you take control and start to create that environment in your own life, overstimulation becomes less common. One of the best ways to do that is to build space into your schedule. Have a set time each day when you sit quietly in your room or your favorite chair and just let your mind run. You might journal, daydream, listen to music. The point is to let the brain process everything it's not caught up on. 
Not only will this prevent overstimulation, it's also when you'll have your breakthrough moments. You'll suddenly see solutions to problems or figure out the right way to handle a situation. Your brain will finally get to connect the dots and it will hand you the answers you need. If the strengths of being sensitive sound like superpowers, in a way they are, but it's not always an easy road. Many sensitive people spend our entire lives being told there's something wrong with us, that we need to change, to be less sensitive. But trying to be less sensitive never works. Your sensitivity is largely in your genes, and when you try to stifle it, the only thing that happens is you become cut off from your gifts. You'll still have the strong emotions, you'll still get overstimulated, but you won't be able to activate the boost effect and take off. Instead, you have to lead with your sensitivity. That's what Bruce Springsteen figured out as a child. He was always the sensitive kid who did not measure up to his father's macho expectations, and Springsteen's father tried to scream and shout and occasionally hit the sensitive out of him. But instead of trying to downplay his sensitivity, he just spent more time at his grandma's house, where he could be himself, and he used rock and roll as a way to explore not conforming. Springsteen remains openly sensitive to this day, and it's part of what made him great. Without his depth of emotion, his creativity, and of course his deep thinking, his songs wouldn't be the same. This is a truth that all sensitive people must realize, sooner or later. The world doesn't need you to be less sensitive. We've tried less sensitive, and it's not exactly working out. Throughout history, sensitive people have been our innovators, our sages, our change makers, and very often, our most effective leaders. Embrace your sensitivity. Show it to the world. Because sensitive is strong. And the world needs more of what sensitive people have to offer. Thank you, Andre. Well, everyone, that's a wrap for the week. If you missed any episodes, you can find them in your podcast feed, or you can find them in your Next Big Idea app if you have it on your phone. If you don't have it, go to your app store and search for The Next Big Idea. And also, don't forget about my newsletter. You can sign up using the link in the episode notes or by searching for Next Big Idea on LinkedIn. All this week's episodes were written by me, Michael Kovnat, edited by Caleb Bissinger. The Next Big Idea Daily is part of the LinkedIn Podcast Network. We'll see you Monday.